Mark? <laughs> 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 uh, good, good evening, everyone who's watching on YouTube. Uh, <clears throat> anyone who's just listening, I'm, I'm going to get to my gag now. Uh, if you if you're not watching on YouTube, go to YouTube because you, this this if there's ever an episode we've done that is for YouTube, it is today's episode. Um, you look fabulous, by the way. Oh, thank you, Zoe. You look very beautiful yourself. I, I thought so. Um, I was once offered a threesome with two trans girls. Um, honestly, it was like winning the lottery. We had six matching balls. <laughs> and oh before I forget I'll kill you if this is a joke you want to die tonight the you run podcast the you run podcast the you run podcast the you run podcast why isn't it possible I can't say nothing a candy man I get me you choose the movies I had a heart on this morning when I woke up Tina had your name written all over it you score them. Nice fucking model! You review them. For that you get the head, the tail, the whole damn thing. Why not, you stupid bastard? My name is very fucking confused. What's your name? Captain Howdy. You don't want to go fooling around other folks' property. my goddamn soul. There's a beer. After all, this is not our show, this is your show. I don't think I can do this episode, I honestly don't think I can do it. Hello and welcome to the You Run Podcast Horror Movie Review, part of the You Run Podcast Network. My name is Scott. My name is Mark. And we are an interactive horror movie review show. And today coming to you in full Technicolor on YouTube. Um, If you are watching on YouTube, you can see we're dressed for the occasion. If you're not, this is still going to be a great episode. But if you get time, even if you just go and look at our fabulous costumes. Uh, Mark, who are you today? I am Riff Raff. We got given the option to dress up for Rocky Horror and I played it safe. You, on the other hand... Uh, I, I'm not sure what character I am, but I do. Ha- I do have a a delightful corset. <laughs> uh, like I said, we are an interactive movie review show, and we get you involved on every episode we can. And the easiest way to do that is get involved with us on social media. We're at You Run Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Fred, Slasher app, and X. If you want to follow Mark or riffraff as he is tonight uh you can find him at mw horror reviews on instagram and slasher and at mw horror vhs on instagram and tiktok you can also email us you run podcast at gmail.com or send us an audio voicemail wherever you get this message and i get a feeling we're gonna get lots of audio voicemails next week this may be our last episode i feel i i I don't think i think we're okay um you can also leave us a review on apple spotify and lots of other different platforms Uh, please do this it really makes a difference more than you'll ever know Um, and for those of you watching don't forget to like subscribe and hit that notification bell so you get to see me dressed like this more often nobody needs to see that (laughs) no they really don't um (laughs) We also have regular games, and today you're treated to two. You have the return of That's Not My Porno. 
Oh, brilliant. We uh, haven't played that in ages. We haven't. We also got a brand new game called How Kinky Is Mark? What? <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get to it later. You're going to love that game. Um, before we get going into any of that, because uh, we've got a lot today, we're going to get into our breaking news. Long pause. I'm going to let you go first. You, you kind of go first. <laughs> you, you moaned once that I never, I always steal your news. So you go first always now. Okay, that's fine. I like to go first. Um, my first bit this week is the Strangers Chapter One official poster and teaser trailer has been released. Have you seen this? Yes, I have. And what are your thoughts? Uh, it kind of just feels like the Strangers, but new, if that makes sense. To me, it looks cheap. <laughs> yeah, it, it looks like The Strangers, but done for TV. Yeah, yeah. And, and don't get me wrong, I've recently just watched The Strangers and The Strangers Pray at Night again, and oh, I still film. find both of those films absolutely phenomenal. Um, yeah, I'm a bit unsure about this, I'll be honest with you. And the fact that this is a trio of films all coming out within the same year. Stop flicking your hair, man. It's weird. <laughs> Stop doing it. <laughs> um the fact that all three of these are coming out this year um, is kind of a little bit of a confusing marketing ploy as far as I'm concerned. I don't know whether these are all interconnected or what. I don't know what the deal is with them. I'm, I'm curious, but at the same time, I'm very apprehensive about how this is going to play out. Yeah, it's very much like they've gone, we've made three movies, have them all. And I, I find that a bit odd. I kind of thought this would be spaced out, we'd get one this year, one next year, one the year after, or even like six months apart. But I don't even think it's that. It's like a month apart between each of them. Which might work out great. and might be fucking awesome. And then future franchises might go down that route the same way. I mean, what, we get TV series that are like an hour-long episode. The movie's only 90 minutes. So there's no okay. reason why you couldn't do movie, movie, movie within the same year if it's a substantial quality. Um, but if it's not then maybe just give us a TV series that's 40 minutes and space it out over six episodes. Yeah, I kind of get that <laughs> feeling. Um, Drag Me to Hell 2 has been announced and Sam Raimi has confirmed he's back to direct and write. Thoughts? I'm not a big fan of Drag Me to Hell. so I like Sam Raimi. He's a hit and miss director for me. His Evil Dead stuff is fantastic. His Spider-Man stuff is fantastic. But everything else in between has been a bit meh, as far as I'm concerned. Um, his latest venture with Doctor Strange was not great. It was odd. Very, very odd. I, um, I think he, had he been given an R rating, that would have been movie of the year. Do you think? Yeah, had he been able to... You could tell there was points where he's like, and this bit, the head's going to cave in and blood's going to go everywhere. They went, no, no, you, you can't do that. You can do the head cave in, but we can't show it. I, I think there was a lot of Sam Raimi going, oh, all right then. I got that feeling from it. But like he is a he's an evil dead guy. It's like yeah. we're getting evil dead movies and the last one was a massive success. Just go back and direct another evil dead movie because that's what everybody wants you to do. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. I keep so, flicking my hair. It's, it's... it's weird, man. It's, it's very erotic, 
very <laughs> annoying. Can you stop doing it? <laughs> I, I will stop doing it. What's your second piece of news? Uh, my second bit of news is we have a te- uh, it's a teaser trailer for the upcoming George Romero documentary about his Resident Evil movie. So back in 1989, George Romero was supposed to make a Resident Evil movie based on the Capcom game series. It was going to be the first iteration of the games to movie sort of thing that we yeah. got. And it was a very, very messy production. There was a lot of problems behind the scene. That film never actually came to fruition. But there is a documentary coming out which basically goes through the process. There's a lot of behind the scenes stuff and tidbits on what happened and basically just a documentary that 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 tells us the story of that production and and the the problems that it came came with. Um, this looks great. It comes out next year. I'm not sure if it's a director shudder thing or anything like that, but I'm really, really excited to see this. Anybody who is a fan of George A. Romero or a fan of Resident Evil or just a zombie fan in general, I think we'll gain a lot from this um, from this documentary. It's called George A. Romero's Resident Evil a Documentary, and I think yeah. it's going to be fantastic, so check it out. I didn't even know that. I didn't even know he was in line to do a Resident Evil movie. How awesome. Yeah, back it... in 1989. Wow. How awesome 1998. Would he... I'll get there in the end. How awesome would his Resident Evil have been? Well, that's it. That's what the trailer basically establishes. It's like Capcom made Resident Evil, one of the greatest zombie games ever made. George Romero is made the... one of the greatest zombie movies ever made. He is yeah. the man of zombies. Together, there's no question in anybody's mind who would be the one to make this movie. And he was all signed on to do it. The script was in place and oh, it just a... all got very, very messy. And it's a documentary basically explaining the process of what went on behind the scenes and why it failed and why it never happened because of too much interference from other people. That's depressing that we didn't get it. Um, mm. My other bit of news is horror franchises don't like to be upstaged. So we've had a lot of Friday the 13th news. We've had a Friday the 13th this month. So there's been a lot of news about the TV series. We've had a lot of Halloween talk. By the 1st of November, Neve Campbell will be confirmed for coming back for Scream 7. By when, sorry? By the 1st of November. Do you believe? A hundred percent believe she's been, um, she got caught by the paparazzi leaving the, um, leaving the studio. So she's been for a meeting. Um, she was beaming with smiles when she left. So I'm guessing they've given her the money she's worth and she will be making a, a triumphant return to the screen franchise. The thing is as well now, because of the drama of the previous film, she's gone in there and be like, I want double. Mm. And you know full well that if you don't pay me, everyone is going to hate you even more. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not being funny. Fucking rightly so. Rightly so. She, she, I... The film worked fine without her. It did work fine without her, but I still want her to come back because otherwise it makes no sense for Stu to be back. We haven't got enough fucking hours in the day to do this right now. Please, <laughs> we, we haven't. We'll, we'll move on. Uh, this week we're taking on a pole picked movie and one I have not seen for decades. Um, get your kit off, pull on your fishnets, slip on your stilettos, <laughs> sing, dance, in, unleash your inner desires, and when you're done. Come up to the lab and see what's on our slab. Spoilers, it's the Rocky Horror Picture Show. <laughs> oh, and before we play the trailer, to the person who messaged me, go woke, go broke, when we announced this episode, 
This episode is especially for you, motherfucker. You've seen all kinds of movies, but you've never seen anything like the Rocky Horror Picture Show. The Rocky Horror Picture Show is wonderfully weird. They're probably foreigners with ways different than our own. It's fabulously freaky. It's a trip to transsexual Transylvania. The Rocky Horror Picture Show. From transsexual Transylvania. The story is strange. But tonight is the night that my beautiful creature is destined to be born. The songs are super. The scenery is smashing. The cast is completely crazy. Junior Chamber of Commerce, Brad. There's a mad scientist named Frank N. Furter. Come up to the lab and see what's on the slab. And Rocky, his incredible creature. with a bad crowd, but it was worse than I imagined. A sinister servant named Riff Raff. I remember doing the time war. And Brad and Janet. My name's Brad Majors. Just a couple of clean-cut kids. This is my fiance, Janet Weiss. Touch it, touch it, touch it, touch me. I wanna be dirty. Eddie. Magenta. When shall we return to Pennsylvania, huh? Columbia. <laughs> Dr. Scott. Great Scott! So give yourself over to absolute pleasure. Don't See the Rocky Horror Picture Show. You've never seen anything like the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Let's do the time war again. Let's do the time war again. The Rocky Horror Picture Show. So the listeners score this. They scored this a 9 out of 10. Uh, IMDb rocking at 7.4 out of 10. And Letterboxd give this a 4 out of 5. So this is solid scores across the board um if you've not seen this before i'm going to give you a brief synopsis before we really get into it um a newly engaged couple break down uh, in the middle of nowhere and they need somewhere to, to stay somewhere to shelter the storm uh, they seek refuge in a rather odd home of dr frankenfurter um they get there just in time for the doctor to unveil his latest creation that's that's all you're getting um if you've not seen this movie before and you've been living under a rock, um, well, 
Heather? You can read the fucking episode title and be like, I've never seen this. Don't fucking listen to it then. If y'all haven't seen it, that's not anybody's problem. Don't listen to the damn episode yet. Thanks, Heather. Love Heather. Uh, uh, Before we get going, I want to say, if we say anything that offends during this episode, that is not our intention. Um, We're supporters of all gender identities and having the right to be whoever you want to be. Um, So if we do offend, that's not our intention. Um, As you can see, we are fully embracing everything. Um, We open with lips. Yes. Literally lips. And I I love it. It's great. It's it's just if you've never seen this movie before, you spend the first three minutes going, what? What's going on? (laughs) Yeah, that's... um, I really need to refresh my mind on who's the actress. who, which is why I'm pulling up my. It's Magenta. Yeah, M- Magenta. Lovely, lovely lips. I mean, lovely lips. Yeah, lovely lips. Um, we then cut to a wedding. Um, the wedding is very bizarre. And you get, you get one of the guys getting married, like talking to Brad, and Brad's like, "Oh, you got this girl." He's like, "Yeah, she's great," and it's so laced with really bad really bad stereotypes of the times like she's really good at cooking she's really good at cleaning she's 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 great she does everything she needs me to do and i can't wait till tonight did you see what was written on the car no so on the wedding car it's uh she got hers now wait till tonight when he gets his and i was like oh man oh that's brilliant oh <laughs> I was like, oh god, that's so bad. Um, after the wedding, you get Janet wants Brad to propose, and Brad kind of is in the position where he kind of—I get the feeling he feels obliged to propose. Am I off on that? Um, I don't know. I think he's maybe just—I mean, you know what weddings are like. You've been to weddings yourself. You kind of get swept up in the moment. <laughs> I, the I've had multiple of, of my own. <laughs> oh my god, you have. You have, you're such a Ross. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and we get our first song. Yes. So please, don't tell me to can it. Janet. I have one thing to say, and that's damn it. Janet. Can it. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> so did you pick up, the, the, the sort of like American Gothic homage at the beginning? Did you pick up on that they were Riff Raff and Magenta? No, I genuinely didn't. I missed. Oh, it. did you not? Oh, so yeah. it was Riff Raff and Magenta who were playing the American Gothic characters. I, 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 at the I caught of the church. it. I caught it on my second watch because I've I've not watched this for years, and I watched it twice this week. First watch, I was like, "This is really weird." And like the bit, <laughs> there's a bit where they bring in the coffin of a child and they're dancing and singing in front of it. I was like, "This is dark. It's really dark." <laughs> well, yeah. So they're setting up for a funeral. And while they're doing this whole proposal song that they are, they're saying up for a funeral, which is sort of very, I don't know, contrasting of the situation. And and did you also catch that Tim Curry was a priest? Yeah, I caught that. Yeah, fantastic. Really, really good. Um, I love this. I love the song. I love the opening exposition of introducing who the characters are and their stories. And and yeah, I thought this was really, really good. It's a really strong opening. And I'm going to point out as we go through this, this is a musical. There's a lot of singing and a lot of dancing, which doesn't translate that well to podcasts. So without breaching copyright, I'm going to try and drop as many of those songs that you love into this episode. And we're going to talk about 
what happens around it, um, which is why we've packed this out with games, because there's not a lot of meat on the bone to this. No, not when you try and break it down into a podcasting episode, it's not, no. <laughs> no. Um, we get the narrator, who 100% is a piss, co- piss take out of Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah, the criminologist. Uh, if this was, if they remade this today, he a hundred percent would be a true crime podcaster. This was um, a role that was offered to Vincent Price, I believe. Oh, Vincent Price would have been awesome. And he turned it down. He turned it down. I wish he hadn't, because that would have been awesome if he'd have done this. Yeah, and this movie, like, uh, uh, it came out in the seventies, and us watching it today, we live in a, a society where. This is just part of life. We have all these different genders and identities, and we understand all of these. In the 70s, people must have been in the theatre going, what is this? Well, it completely bombed. It completely bombed. The only reason that this became such a cult phenomenon like it is is because it was a midnight screening. It was, yeah. If you wanted to watch this film, it was at midnight, yeah, and you had to go to late-night sessions to see it, at which point it created that sort of, cult fandom where everybody would be there turning out and it just became a phenomenon in its own right from that yeah. reason yeah and i i, I love the, the the podcast guy or the podcast guy the um the criminologist guy he's he pops up throughout giving you a bit of exposition he almost sort of takes you from scene to scene he's really odd and he is definitely meant to be alfred hitchcock and it's done yeah. in in like the room where hitchcock and there's like bits where he's like standing and it's such a good mimic that I, do, I can't help but appreciate it. And I chuckle every time I see him. Um, so you've got the main characters, which is Janet and Brad, and they've gone for a late night drive, um, which the, the narrator basically points out that he knew he didn't have a spare, but they were young and excited and they wanted to go for a drive. So they went for a drive. There's lots of like, they know there's plot holes. So they write them all away with the, narr- with the narrator. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, they break down and it's pissing down with rain and Brad's like, oh, I saw a castle up the road. You wait here. And Jan's like, I'm not fucking waiting here. You're not leaving me in the middle of nowhere. Um, and they both go up to the castle together. Although the reason she doesn't want to leave him is because she's like, no, you might find somebody who might seduce you and you may never come back to me. <laughs> Which, to be fair to her, had he gone to that house on his own, he never exactly. would have returned. <laughs> um, we met at the door by... Richard O'Brien, who plays Riff Raff, who you are perfectly mimicking today, even though you look like the guy from Phantasm ever so slightly. Man, come on. You look like a knockoff Russell Brand. What are you talking about? <laughs> 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 uh, 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 Richard O'Brien is incredible. If anyone doesn't know Richard O'Brien away from this, go and Google and go and watch a couple of episodes of The Crystal Maze. He plays Riff Raff, but in a television series, it's amazing. I can't believe this is a guy who does Crystal Maze. And when I was watching this, I was like, I'm sure that's the Crystal Maze guy. But I was like yeah. so convinced in my own mind. I was like, there is no way the guy who wrote the stage production of Rocky Horror and starred in it and then yeah. later went on to make the movie and star in the movie then became the presenter of Crystal Maze. Yeah, he did. But it is. Yeah, it is, it's amazing. And um, we also meet, is it Magenta? Yes. Yeah. Um, no, no, we don't meet Columbia till later on. No, we meet Columbia later on. And these two basically welcome them into the house. And there's a moment where they're kind of, they're just a bit baffled. They're kind of stood there like, almost like what's going on? 
And Richard O'Brien's like, don't worry, I'm going to explain it all to you. And his way of explaining it... This yeah, he episode... basically says, um, you can come in, but we're having a party. So, <laughs> um, this episode, if ever there was one built for YouTube, it's definitely this. <laughs> don't know about that. Look at the fucking state of us, man. <laughs> <laughs> we're having a good dance, it's, it's all good fun. Um, Time Warp's great, it's a brilliant musical piece. There's nothing else I can say from it. it it's, it's a great musical scene. Um, and then we get to meet Tim Curry's character, he comes up in the elevator and he's all draped in a cloak brilliant and uh, he is such an an expressional actor like with his face that he doesn't need to do much just where he's speaking you he, he draws you in which is why he got roles like pennywise and he was in legend and he, he's got so much expression that you instantly go what's he going to do next you can't help Honestly, but this guy is just phenomenal and nothing showcases that better than his performance here in Rocky Horror Show. What he does with this role is just outstanding. His yeah. expressions, his movements, he is a phenomenal, phenomenal actor. And it is such a tragedy that he was taken away from the limelight so soon with his accident, his yeah. accident, his stroke it's, that he yeah. had. Um yeah. Because I feel like he would be one of the, he would still be one of the biggest actors working today if it wasn't wasn't for that. Regardless of his age, I mean, these older actors still doing things now. Like I think, like he would still be such a prominent figure. Yeah, he's he's just genuinely he is acting ability wise. There's not many that can even hold a candle to him. No, and obviously he played him in the he played um, Frankenfurt in the. Broadway production before the film. That's yeah, how he, he got. He, he was brought over from that production to play it again in the film. Yeah. Which just showcases how good he is to be able to transition him. Because it's quite a difficult thing to transition somebody from such an exaggerated performance that you have to give when working on stage. I mean, I watched a video the other day about him on um, YouTube showing. And he was basically talking about the breakdowns between having to transition from film to Broadway. On Broadway, you're in a theatre and you have a stage yeah. and you have to over-exaggerate every single thing you do from a simple flick of the hair. On film, it's just a flick of the hair. But on Broadway, it's an over-exaggerated flick of the hair yeah. and you, you have to actually accentuate every single movement you make in order to be able to translate to the audience when you're on a on a stage. Yeah. Um, but he knew that and he knew how to break that down and transition that well enough to be able to give a performance like he did here, but still have it done in a way that was over exaggerated, but not to the point of it being cartoonish. And I just think he's such an incredible talent and, and this film, all the, all the spectacular things this guy has done throughout his career. All you need to do is watch this to be able to appreciate his talent. I think. Yeah. If anything there is to take away from this film, it's how great Tim Curry is as an actor. Oh, 100%. And he kind of comes, he's draped in the cloak, and he struts forward, and he jumps up on, like, there's three steps up to effectively a stage, and he spins around and drops the drops the cloak. I'm just a sweet transvestite of Come transsexual transsexual 
<laughs> that is way too much nipple for me to see. I just realised there was a massive nip slip then. I do apologise. <laughs> <laughs> Which kind of works perfectly for this movie and this scene because he has nip slips in this as well. Um, uh, we get the new creation. So this is where you've got all these strange different characters at his party and he's doing the big unveiling. He's a doctor. He's a scientist. He's been working on his his new project. Um and we get to meet Rocky. Rocky is a specimen of a guy. Yes. I mean, absolute. Like, there's not an He's ounce... Ken. He's a Ken doll. He, he is a Ken doll. Um, it's a really odd scene because we go from him being unveiled straight into Meatloaf. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know Elvis Presley was originally in the run-up to play this role? Oh, God, Vincent Price and Elvis Presley in this movie. I'm 100% more in than I already am. They originally, and it was Elvis Presley himself who was like, I want to play the role of um, Eddie. Uh, and saying that, I, I think, think he maybe just wanted too much money, so which is why they didn't go for him. And I think Meatloaf absolutely kills this. He's, so he comes he out. He does, of, he does. He comes out of the freezer and he kind of, burns it's it's just he drives around and chases people on his motorbike it is really cool and it's all done so this whole scene they've got a song which is um i'll make you a man yep and it's all about rocky and it's all about how rocky's the perfect man and then you get meatloaf come in and meatloaf was like a previous experiment that didn't go as well so he's the nephew of someone we meet later but they kind of he was almost frankenfurter's plaything. And the song, the song's amazing. In just seven days, I can make you a man. So one thing about this film that we need to sort of really dive into to provide a little bit of context is how vital the songs are in terms yeah. of the narrative. If you watch this film and you don't pay attention or don't listen to the songs, you are not going to have a fucking clue what is going on in this movie. No. The songs are vital to exposition and storytelling as much as they are the dialogue between the cast and everything else. So what we find out is <clears throat> Eddie was a plaything of Frankenfurt's and Columbus's. Columbus yeah. and Freddie, they all sort of had this intersexual relationship between the three of them. Um, things didn't go quite to plan for Frankenfurter because Columbus, because Eddie and Columbus were becoming more of an item on their own. Yeah. So Frankenfurter decided he wanted to make the perfect little plaything for himself. Yeah, where he makes And at which Rocky. point he makes Rocky, um, which is half of the brain of Eddie's. So he takes half of Eddie's brain... And he puts that into Rocky, which is why when we are introduced to Eddie later on, he has a big scar across his head. Yeah. It's because Frankenfurt has taken half of his brain and put half of his brain into into Rocky to create this alpha male sex toy for Frankenfurt. Yeah, and that's what Rocky is. He's he's a he's a glorified sex doll. He completely is. But if you don't listen to the songs, you will have no idea what is going on and who he is or why. No. And why um, Meatloaf has a massive scar across his head and has um, half a brain missing. They are so integral. And like throughout all of this, all Brad and Janet want to do is use the phone. They're like, we yeah. just want to, like, they've gone in, they wanted to use the phone. They've been given the time warp, sweet transvestite, and I'll make you a man. They've been there half an hour and they're like, the phone? 
we we just want to use the phone. <laughs> and he's at this point, they're really like, "What the fuck have we walked into?" And they're almost huddled together, like, "We're going to die tonight." It's that kind of vibe. Yeah. It's it's a really it's a really bizarre take because you've got two characters who are genuinely afraid of what's going on, and everyone around them is having a fucking ball, and they don't get it. No. I have no idea. I have no idea. And I, I, I think with Meatloaf's character, he's perfectly used because Meatloaf is a character in his own right. Yeah, yeah. And I think if he'd have been more pivotal to the story and stayed around a little bit longer, I love Meatloaf. I love Meatloaf's music. I think he's a very, very talented guy. I, most Sunday mornings, I'll wake up and I'm blasting around the house doing cleaning and chores and stuff. I'll probably listen to Meatloaf around the house on my Alexa when yeah. I'm doing don't you speak i will probably listen to meet love while i'm doing that because i love the guy that much i grew up on that that was the kind of music that was played in my house by my parents yeah. when i was a kid but as much as i love him he's just the right amount in this movie he's ju- if you take it any further he would become overbearing um, and the yes. way they take him out is great so you literally get frank of uh, follows him into the freezer and butchers him and it's like with an oh, axe wow. With an axe, it's like, wow, this is, this is a horror movie. If you've not seen this and you're expecting a light, fluffy musical, that is not what you get with this movie. It's got a real dark undertone. And like this bit, especially, he like comes out, he's got blood on his gloves. He's like taking the gloves off and doesn't want to get blood on himself. He's like, ew, ew. It's, it's really good. Um, and from here, Frank sort of goes, well, you two are going to have to spend the night now. And they just go with it. I'd be like, yep. no, look, I need to use your phone. I need to get the fuck out of here. I'm kind of done now. I, I've been I've been subjected to three musical numbers and you've butchered someone in front of me. I'm leaving now. <laughs> um, but yeah. they don't, and they stay. They do. I don't quite know how to describe what happens next. So you get Janet in her... Uh, so they put them in separate bedrooms. You get Janet in her bedroom and Brad comes in. And Brad's trying to have his way with Janet. And it turns out it's not Brad, it's Frankenfurter. And Frankenfurter, she's like, no, we can't. And he's like, but you like it a little bit. She's like, well, well, yeah. He's like, I promise I won't tell anyone. She's like, all right then. And then they do it. And then you get an exact mirror scene where he goes into Brad's bedroom as Janet and starts kissing Brad. Brad's like, no. He's like, but you like it a little bit. And Brad's like, well, yeah, I do. He's like, don't worry. I won't tell anyone. And then he has his way with Brad as well. I was like, wow. Yeah. And I'm going to step in here now because I fucking love this scene. I think it's brilliant because Janet and Brad are the most mayonnaise of people you will ever encounter in your life. They have not experienced anything. They have not experienced life between the two of them. And I think it's established pretty early on that the pair of them are both virgins and that they're waiting for marriage in order to consummate their love for one another. Yeah. Um, this scene between or this coupling of scenes between the two of them is so good because they are mirror images of each other apart from one where he is in janet's room the lighting is red and apart from then in the second scene the lighting is blue when he goes into brad's room yeah and this is frank farter basically coming in dressed as one or the other to try and seduce them and have his way with them and both of them are quite reluctant at first but easily easily swayed yeah now there is an argument to be had regarding consent. Yeah, I, I between think... these two scenes, and I don't know whether 
it's something I want to dive into too much this evening because it's a very fun and lighthearted episode. But if you do take these two principles and think about it, it's not great. It doesn't hold up very well and it's not translated very well in this sequence either. It's more a case of I will push you and push you into submission, which is not a good message to send to anybody. No. Um, So I, I, I don't think, as much as I love this scene because of the way that it's framed and then replayed and mirrored against each yeah. other, I think it's fantastic. And I think Tim Curry's really funny within these two scenes. If you actually break it down and look at it from that perspective, I think the consent issue it, it, between it, the two is really, really questionable. It definitely raises questions that I, I don't know if they're questions that they were even trying to raise at the time. I mean, this film is I don't very... think so. It was a different era. It's, it's the 70s, man. It's Yeah. It, it's, it's something now, though, that this can be viewed through so many lenses now. And I, I think the lens that you need to go into this and watch it at is, is a fun movie. And a, li- a little bit like you'd go into a, an 80s, 70s or 80s slasher where a lot of the tones are probably not quite right. If you can overlook that, they're great movies and they're really entertaining. And this is definitely an entertaining movie. Yeah. It's just one of those time periods, man, where women, as much as they're enticed and induced by the alpha male, they have to be forced into that situation, if you will. Yeah. Uh, No, no, please don't. Okay. uh, Maybe do take me a little uh, bit. At least they balanced it out though. They'd done it to a girl and a guy. At least it was equal. It it wasn't, it wasn't one way. The guy and the girl both were, subliminally forced into giving their bodies away yeah and both of them easily went forth and had had fun with frank but it's, yeah it, it is a it is a case of if you do break it down on that sense it is a it is a questionable situation that you could look at as being untoward if you will yeah. by um, today's standards and frank gets interrupted when he's with brad as well because um rocky's escaped um, and Rocky's escaped because Riff Raff and Magenta are being horrible to him and just beating him about. And he breaks his yeah. chains and goes on the run. Um, he escapes and Janet goes to, like, just goes wandering. And she's wandering around the castle and she finds Rocky in his glass tank that he was born from. And yeah. Yeah, so. Janet's very forward in this scene. So uh, in this scene, Janet, as you say, goes a wandering. She realizes that Brad and Rocky, uh, Rocky, Brad and Frank, because she sees them on security monitors. Yeah. Smoking a cigarette after their endeavor. Yeah. Um, she realizes Brad has given himself to Frank, even though she has just done the same thing. Uh, I, ex- I, I thought exactly the same. I was like, you double standard bitch. Yeah, so I was like, ah, right, okay, so it works for you, but it's not okay for Brad. Um, And in doing so, she bumps into Rocky and realises, I've had sex now and I kind of like it. Yeah, so I'm going to have a bit of Rocky. Um, What makes this amazing is Columbia and Magenta watching, laughing on a TV. I love this. I think it's so cool, because their song as well is brilliant. Yeah, I haven't got that one. (laughs) (laughs) But that, that, that's great, and I really like the way that it bounces back and forth between the two shots of Magenta and Columbia watching, and they're getting all frolicky watching the two of them in the tank. Yeah. Um, 
really, really cool. And it sort of insinuates that during her session with Rocky, she has her first orgasm as well, which is also really, really cool to show that on screen in the 70s, which is brilliant. Yeah, I mean, in the 70s, I can't imagine the amount of straight-laced people who went to watch this and were just like, I I don't know what to say. How many people... I can't imagine the amount of people who walked out of this watching this and went home and instantly had sex. Cause that's kind of what it, it gives you that. Oh, this is a bit kinky. Let's go and be oh, a man, bit naughty. Yeah. It's a very sexually charged film, regardless of your orientation. It's... Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's incredibly sexually charged right up until we get the intruder, Dr. Scott. Dr. Scott, yes. This guy just sucks the fun out of this movie for a good 10 minutes. I hate this character. <laughs> oh, I love him. I think he's great. <laughs> Why do you hate Dr. Scott? I don't know. He turns up and he's he's in a wheelchair, which is fine. I have a problem with him being in a wheelchair. And he's kind of wheeling around and being a bit sneaky. And Frank is like, ah, oh, he's here. And he turns on an electromagnet and fucking drags Dr. Scott through the entire building. He does a loop-de-loop in Magenta's room. <laughs> it's so, so cheesy. Good. So good. <laughs> um, but Dr. Scott plays this. Like The whole movie's overblown and over the top. And Dr. Scott plays this, oh, deadpan and straight. He's like, Dr. Frankenfurter, um, I'm looking for my nephew. He went missing here. I know he's been here. Yes. And Frank's like, yeah, that that's that's nice. Anyway, should we all have dinner? And he's like, yeah, and he, it, they, but they introduce him to the rest of the cast as well. And it turns out this doctor guy is also the professor of Brad, um, Brad and Janet. He's yeah. like their professor. So Frank's like, shit, you know each other. This is a conspiracy. You're all out yeah. to get me. He's like, you're a, it's a conspiracy, and you just slept with my plaything, and you're here, and and he has like this little meltdown, and then he follows the meltdown with, anyway. We, we we should all have dinner. And it yeah. cuts to like they've all sat around this big, like mahogany dining table, not saying a fucking word. Riff Raff comes out and puts meat on the table. Frank cutting the meat with an electric knife. I nearly died of laughter. <laughs> There's not a word being said. Everyone's in silence, and all you get is Frank going. it's so uncomfortable but so well done because you feel the oh this is so awkward it's awkward it's a very very awkward scene considering how high volume and high intensity the whole movie is up until this point this is the only real scene where you get sort of any form of silence for a good two minutes and it's like Uh, someone sing something, please. <laughs> someone do something. something. Um, and they have this kind of argument over the table about how everyone's effectively how everyone's not playing by the rules. And Frank does the pull of the tablecloth, and we get Eddie's body reveal. This is brilliant, yes. and the cast reactions are incredible. Yeah. So basically, everybody's eating Eddie. Yeah. Eddie was the. I'd have to say, Eddie looked like a good meal. That yeah, meat, and the thing is as well, great. like everybody all freaks out and he's like, what the hell is going on? But Rocky, who is probably like seven minutes old, just carries on ticking into the meat. <laughs> he's just eating away. He's like, I am bothered. <laughs> I, I, I like the fact that he's eating with his hands and it's um, it's Janet who like, a nice magenta who kind of like almost insinuates for him to use a knife and fork and he just completely ignores her and keeps shoveling meat into his mouth and sand. Right. <laughs> um <laughs> 
Frank loses it at this point, and this is where he turns everyone to stone or freezes them. I love that he has a Medusa switch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous. So they go up into, I can't remember what room it is now. It's been a couple of days since I watched this now. They go up to the lab room at the top. Um, but we get that really cool song where Frank loses it and yeah. he's chasing Janet around. Yeah. Do you have that one? No. Be better, man. Be better. I'm sorry. I, I'm trying. Um, I'm trying to avoid the episode being removed from streaming services. I'm trying to because be... that's the damn it, Janet song, is it not? Yeah, damn it. That's the Janet. best song. Oh. Yeah, that's the best song. Um, so he's chasing Janet around, and they get up into this top room, and he basically bangs a switch on where they're all like frozen in time on the floor, like yeah. basically like magneted to the floor. Yeah, and then he starts cranking the Medusa switch. And we turned them all into the stone. I was like, shit, man, we've still got like 30 minutes to go. He's just turned everybody to stone. What's happening now? Yeah, and the fact he turns everyone to stone, they turned around to Riff Raff and Magenta, he's like, prepare the floor show. And I was like, what? What floor show? What's going on? I love the floor show. The floor so show is awesome. Uh, and it is kind of like, this is almost like the, cl- it's like the closing finale song, if you will. Yeah. And it's like, he's got, they're all on the stage. They're all in full makeup, full drag, and the dance, the song, the effects, the way it's shot—it's all fantastic. It's really, all really cool. absolutely amazing, and that you basically get—it's a good five and a half minute scene of this final song that ends with them all in a swimming pool. Um, uh, it is honestly, it's fabulous. In the I like the, the songs in this are great. I wish I could. I wish that things like Spotify weren't so restrictive of what we could use because we could have done so much more with the music. Damn you, Spotify. Angry shit. Damn you, Janet. Damn you, Janet. Um, <laughs> and it all ends with them in the pool. And you've got, I love the fact that you've got a point where all of Frank's makeup has now come off because he's in the swimming pool. Yeah. And it, it, it's. I mean, this sexually charged scene with them all just blowing around each other, like touching each other. And, yeah. It is, it's, it's, it's intense, man. It's intense. And we get some serious nip slips, as we've already discussed tonight this evening. Uh, the, the like nip, it goes full nip the, slips. The nip slips in this is like, there's a point where Tim Curry's um, like corset is almost he's almost wearing it as a belt. It's that useless to him at one point. Yeah, and Columbus's boobs are out, and yeah, yeah, man. I mean, even the statues themselves, when they get turned into stone, they they get turned into stone with no clothes, and they, they have lose full, all the like, clothes. 70s bush. Yeah. <laughs> the 70s bush are extreme in this. <laughs> they really are. Like Don King at certain points. <laughs> um, Riff Raff and Magenta, we get the baddie reveal where they're kind of like the bosses and they're all aliens. Yeah, so it's obviously heavily influenced between, uh, heavily insinuated before that, that they're aliens. Yeah. Um, there's one point where I think it's Riff Raff's talking to Frank and Furter and he's about to say that they're aliens before Frank interrupts him. Yeah. So it turns out that they're aliens from the planet... Transsexual. This is planet transsexual. It's transsexual Transylvania is where they're from. Transsexual Transylvania. Yeah. I don't know. It gets very complicated and where they're actually. Yeah. Um, All I'm going to say is Riff Raff's gun. 
Am I, am I right in thinking that is just a pitchfork that they've painted silver and put an extra bit on the top? That is a ray gun pitchfork. It is awesome. And I want one. <laughs> it's fucking awesome. And it's this bit's really dark. He's like, you're all going to die. And with that, he starts shooting people and he's shooting um, Rocky and he's shooting Frank and Rocky puts Frank on his back and does like a King Kong up part of the stage and they get shot and they go in the pool. And then Riff Raff and Magenta turn around to Brad, Dr. Scott and Janet and go, you better leave now because we're leaving. And so like, before we get there, Frank is a leader. Frank and Fair is a leader. Yeah. And Magenta and um, Riff Raff are his sort of seven minions in, in a sense. Yeah. But they turn on him because they feel he's lost his way and his purpose on the mission. We never find out really what the mission actually is. No. But it's more a case of he's come here and he's had so much enjoyment and liking into too much, what's... Too much excess. Yeah, too much excess of the enjoyments of the of the smaller people, if you will, and um, they feel like they need to rise up against him and cause a mutiny yeah. and take him down, which is why he gets taken down by Riff Raff and Magenta at the end. They're sick of standing by on the sidelines and watching him compromise yeah. the situation. Yeah, and like everyone else leaves, and then the house gets beamed up into the sky. Um, Brilliant. I've, I've got to ask you, do you think Brad and Janet stayed together after this, or do you think this was this, this ended them? No, I think that that mayonnaise, that this is just one of those things where we went off and lived a suburban life and never spoke of this night ever again. Do you think that's what it is? They literally. I think that's exactly what it is. Yeah, um, that's kind of the movie in a nutshell. Like I said, there's it's real bones to this, um, but we've got some games. Uh, the first one is a returning game, and Mark has never heard the music to this game because we've never been able to do audio drops before. So let's play. That's not my porno. <sighs> <sighs> that every time we play this game yeah and i always turn the volume up because i love the fact that people driving in their cars have this quite loud and they've got their windows open then all of a sudden their car orgasms wow yeah we played this game multiple times and that's happened multiple times and this is your first time hearing it (laughs) (laughs) that's excellent i love it uh regular listeners will have heard this game before um if you've not heard this game before, this is really simple. I'm going to give Mark the name of a porno parody. Um, so this is a porno that's a parody of something else. And Mark needs to tell me if that's a real porno or I've made it up. And today, to keep in theme with this, is a special trans version of That's Not My Porno. Um, so I also want to point out before we get started that I use my work computer to do all the work for the episodes my browser search history this week has been fucking interesting i can imagine especially based on the episode this week yeah um so especially this segment so your first one you need to tell me if this is a real porno or i made it up uh harry potter and the prisoner of arse gang bang (laughs) harry potter and the prisoner of Arth Gangbang. I'm going to say that one's real. That is real. That is a real porno that exists. 
And I haven't seen it, by the way. I'm just, <laughs> I no. swear to God, I haven't seen it. Um, the next one, She Merlican Idol. She Merlican Idol? Yeah, She Merlican Idol. That's not real. That is real, and that's a parody of um, American Idol. I knew what it was parodying of, but it just sounded yeah, more that... complicated to understand for it to be real. Yeah, no, that, that one's real. Um, number three, Transformers. That one's got to be real, surely. That's, that's fake. I made that up. I was amazed that didn't already exist. Oh, my God. You need a fucking job in pornography. That <laughs> is amazing. I know. How does it not exist? Um, <laughs> the Golden Tea Girls. The Golden Tea Girls? Yeah. What is that a parody of? Uh, it's a parody of the... It could be a parody of the Golden Girls. Oh, the Golden Girls. Oh, that's before my time. But the Golden um, Tea Girls. Trans Girls. Fake? Uh, no, that's real, and that is um, older, older trans women. Yeah, I'm doing, doing, doing a parody of the Golden Girls. Uh, Jurassic Pork. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to say that was real. That one is real. That one does exist. Um, tug to me. That was fake. <laughs> that is fake. Uh, what do you think it would have been a parody of, though? Talk to me, and that's yeah. the only reason I'm saying it's fake is because it's so recent. <laughs> uh, the Pope's sexist. That one's fake as well. That one is fake. Damn it! Uh, <laughs> and the last one, the trans porter. Oh, that's got to be real. That is real. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant! <laughs> uh, I, I I love that game. Um, uh, let's do uh, let's do this. Very nice. Um, only Instagram played this week, which is fine because Instagram is where all the cool people hang out. Uh, we got the Plagasis uh, audience participation porn. Um, they went on to explain that this movie's kind of boring, but when you go to the live show, that's where the magic really happens. Yeah. Have you uh, done a live show? I've not done. No, a live and the show thing yet. is, as well, it's in my town at the moment. It's it's in Hull, and like they they've got it on. And my wife, she was, it was my birthday last week, and she was like, oh, I was going to book you tickets to go see Rocky Horror. I was like, why did you not? I'm doing that on the show next week. Like, why have you not booked that? So they're actually on in Hull at the moment. Um, I don't know how long it's running for. But I know they take, like, stuff like um, umbrellas for, like, yeah. the scene where it's, uh, like, newspapers for the scene when it's raining, and they throw a toast. I don't know why they throw a toast. No, I'm not entirely sure. I've seen that as well, but I don't. Yeah, there's I'm like not... a thing where they throw a toast up and stuff like that. And there's, I like, I really want to go and see it. And like, I've seen on Facebook and stuff from people that I follow that I've been to see it who live near me, and it's on at the moment. So hopefully, I will try and get there in the next week or two before it ends. Yeah, um, and if anyone's seen it, please call in the show and tell us what it's like. I'd love to know more about I've it. I've heard it's amazing. I've heard it it's is... absolutely amazing. And then I think that apparently that is the best way to experience this film. Because what they do as well is they play the film live. They play the film in the background, but then they also have like actors come on and reenact it on the stage in front. Oh, that's cool. So it's not, yeah, so it's not like you just watch the film. It's like you have actually actors reenacting it. Yeah, on the stage that, in front of the screen, which is amazing. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, we've got Dewey Pod Monster, absolute fucking masterpiece. And they're a horror podcaster like us. Uh, Wednesday Wine and Horror, Shivering with Antissi. Please leave it. You want me to leave it? Yeah, leave it. 
Okay. Leave it. Just leave it. Just leave it. Okay. Uh, Jembug 1982, <laughs> best movie ever. Uh, the Girl and the Gay, and this come from Jay from The Girl and the Gay. Uh, weird, um, weird, but wonderful. And Crystal Morton 49, absolute timeless brilliance. And no one had a bad word to say. We've reviewed 10 out of 10 movies loads of times. There's always someone who's like, fuck this movie. Not a single comment was like, I hate this. No. Which is, is I don't bad. see how you could. I don't see how you could hate this. No, unless you're the most miserable prick on the planet, this is a great movie. Or unless you're a Nazi. <laughs> yeah, there is that. <laughs> Um, this was the first theatrical movie for Tim Curry as Frankenfurter's first big yep. on-screen performance. Um, you know when Frank's turning the different coloured spigots to create Rocky, so he's dropping the different coloured paints in? That's random, yep. right? He just picks yep. whichever one? No. He had um, Richard, his name's gone, Richard... Um while I put my password into my phone to unlock yeah. the password. Uh, the guy from the Crystal Maze, Rich Wise. Richard O'Brien. Richard O'Brien stood at the side and screamed at him which colour was next. And if you watch the scene back, when it goes for the second close-up, you can see Tim Curry's like, fuck, which one did he say? And he has a pause moment where he's like, fuck, which one? And apparently they had to shoot the scene three times because Tim Curry kept getting it wrong. So what is the colour? Is it the... Pride uh, flag audience? No, it was it was just a random order, but it was a random order that Richard had decided and Tim Curry had to adhere to. Because uh, like, like in the tank that, that Rocky comes out of, it's it's the very rainbow. much a fucking pride it's a pride tank. Yeah. And I didn't know if the colour sequence per, played order to that as well. I, I don't think it did. It it may do. Um Tim Curry didn't talk about this movie for years. Um, so he was really reluctant to talk about it in interviews and talk about it with fans when he met them. And that was because the fans were fucking crazy. So after this, he would be harassed like no tomorrow by fans. Um, he told VH1 when he'd done an interview for VH1 that he deliberately put on weight and dressed incredibly plain to try and escape the role of Frank. Um, now he talks about it, embraces it, and said it's like almost a rite of passage for everyone. And for him, it was a rite of passage of becoming the actor he became. But he tried to hide from this for a couple of years after it came out. Yeah, he hid it from his mother that he was part of the stage production. He didn't want her to see him in that role. He didn't want anybody to know that he was in that role. It was quite a shameful sort of thing for him to play. And I don't understand why, because it's such an iconic, iconic performance. But again, it's a product of its time. And I can imagine yeah. having to do something like this and be a be a face of something like this back in the 70s must have been a very difficult thing for him as an actor who wanted to be taken seriously in the business and not want to be typecast. Because yeah. that's what it comes down to. It's probably not regardless of his beliefs or his understanding of other people's sexual orientations. It's more a case of his own career. Yeah, he was probably concerned about that. Yeah, and rightly so. Like, and, and I'm not, and I'm not saying that at the point like, oh, you you should be embarrassed of what you've done. Not at all. Like, you should be very proud of what you've done. But in a time period where people are very judgmental of who you are and, and what you stand for, it must and be the seventies the 80s was that was the time you become typecast 
exactly. And then, and like for him doing a role like this, it must have been very difficult for him to think, oh shit, if I do this and everybody knows me as this person, am I going to be able to break that mold? Am I going to get further work? Am I going? Is this yeah. my career now? Yeah, and Tim Curry broke the fucking mold because everything he done was phenomenal, and he went on to do some of the arguably the best performances on screen ever. And this is one of them as well. Um, You know, the clock, when we see the time warp, you see Richard O'Brien opens the clock and there's a skeleton inside. Yes. That's a real life skeleton. Um, It belongs to the woman who commissioned the clock. Oh, really? Um, In 2002, that clock was auctioned off in Sotheby's. Uh, How much do you reckon it sold for? I'll give you a clue. It's, It's thousands, not millions. Oh, uh, 78,000. It was 35 grand for that clock. Wow. Yeah, which is, is mind-boggling. Someone paid that. Someone I don't paid know why that. I said wow, because I immediately went to 2.4 million, which just shows my concept of money. Yeah, but like someone paying 35,000 pounds for a clock just boggles my mind. Like any any clock, I don't care what clock it is, that's a lot of money to spend on a clock. Yeah, that is a lot of money to spend on the clock. But it's not. It's a movie memorabilia, isn't it, that you? Yeah. Um, you know when they reveal Eddie? Yes. There was only three people knew that was going to happen. Tim Curry, Richard O'Brien and Meatloaf. All of the cast reactions were genuine because no one knew that was coming. <laughs> yeah. So they're all doing this scene and Richard O'Brien's like, you're just going to be a bit wild and just arguing with everyone. And then something's going to happen. And when that happens, you've all got to be quiet. And then they revealed it, and you watch, like you see, like Magenta almost like, like recoils in horror because she's like, "Fuck, he's dead!" And it's all genuine reactions, which is amazing. Yeah, it's really cool. It's like they've done that with Alien as well, like the chestmaster, yeah. like no one knows. And it's such an effective filmmaking technique. If no one knows, their reactions will be real, and you can't fake that. And it's great. No, um, there is a cinema in Munich, Germany that has screened this movie once a week since 1975. Uh, they give you a Rocky Horror sh- Picture Show kit, which has props including uh, a biscuit, a candle, rice, a whistle, a sheet of paper, and directions on how to do the time warp. The same routine was played in the cinema, has been played in the cinema every single week, and still today, since 1975, on a Friday night at midnight. Brilliant. Can you do the time warp? No. You can't remember the time warp? No. Could you do it? I think so. So it's uh, a, uh, so it's uh, a t- jump to the left uh, t- and t- a t- step t- to the right. Oh, here you go then. Ready? Give it a go. So it's a jump to the left. It's just a jump to the left. And, and then, then you step, step to, to the, the right. right. Put your hands on hands your on hips. Your hips. And then something else. And then... It'll make you feel all right. Bend, bend your knees in time. Put your hands on your hip. No, no, I can't remember. No. <laughs> it's just a pelvic thrust. Yeah, it's definitely a pelvic thrust. Or... It's, pel- it's a pelvic thrust in there somewhere. Why can I not remember this? Um, how much do you reckon this cost them to make? Uh, t- two million. Less. It was 1.2 million. Um in its theatrical release worldwide, how much money do you think this made? See, this is where it's a really hard question to answer because, again, this is still... The reason why this is so successful and why it's so 
prominent today is that this is still getting a theatrical release. It's coming out in theatres now. So its box office numbers are still always calculated by today's standards. This comes out weekly, as you've said, in Germany yeah, and across across the world. Like, this is an event. This is a spectacle among fans. And... I don't know. How do you even calculate something like this? Because it bombed massively upon its initial release. Have a punt. It cost 1.2. What do you reckon it made worldwide? Today's standards, considering you take into everything else into account, I'm going to say this is uh, $350 million. No, $115 million. And that's just theatrical. That's not the stage shows. That's just the movie made $115 million off a $1.2 million budget. But where do you calculate that from? Is that from the time of its release to a year later? Or is that no, that, that that's its the original theatrical release. But it's still a theatrical release now. It's still it, like a it, continual release. It is. Release. No, that, that's not the re-releases. That's literally its first initial run. I'm assuming they still calculate the German figures because that original run has never ended. I was going to say... <laughs> So I imagine there's someone there's someone at IMDb who needs to update that every single week. <laughs> they can't. Yeah. How much did you take this week? Right, okay, I'll add that on. Yeah. Um, Surely that's got to be a factor. Should we play another game? Yes, definitely. Okay. We're talking about engaging in sex acts. So this movie's all about giving in to desire and sexual excess. So we're going to find out for my entertainment and all of the listeners what deep sexual desires you harbour um, that you don't want to share with us, which is what makes this so much fun. So I'm going to give you the name of a fetish, and all you're going to do is tell me what that fetish is. Um, they start off easy and then they get harder. Do you see what I did there? <laughs> the thing is now, he's like, how do I play this? Do I play this really naively? Like, oh, I have no idea what you're talking no, about. You, you, need to, you need to... If you know, you need to tell us. So we'll start off nice and easy. Uh, bondage. What do you want me to say to this? Do you want to say well, yes, well, I know what bondage is? No, I want you to tell me what bondage is. Uh, bondage, bondage, to the best of my knowledge, is um, whipping and tying. and. Yeah, yeah. So it's the arousal of being restrained or beaten or doing this to another person. Um, yeah. Voyeurism. Voyeurism. I actually don't know what voyeurism is, actually. So, you sure? Probably if you explain it to me, but I don't know what the name actually... So, voyeurism is watching someone else conduct a sexual act. Um, true... Oh, yeah, I've never been a big watcher anyway. No, true voyeurism is where you watch and they don't know. The, the oh, is a bit pervy, isn't it's, it? It's a little bit, yeah. Um, these are going to get harder. You need to start taking guesses at them. Um, somnophilia. Can you say that again? Somnophilia. 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 I don't know why slowing it down is going to make it any easier. I still have no idea. Somnophilia. Somnophilia is the... Somnophilia. Is that self-pleasure? Is that self-pleasure? No, it's the sexual arousal of watching someone sleep or be unconscious. Again, that's weird, man. Why are you? <laughs> well, you think that's weird. Uh, necrophilia. Oh, necrophilia is a sex of dead people having yeah. sex with dead bodies. Yes, yeah, I'm aware so... of necrophilia. Not that I'm a fan of it. I'm just I'm aware of what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Sex, sexual attraction to corpses. Um, brontophilia. Brontophilia is that 
an attraction to a certain breed of dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is sexual arousal caused by thunderstorms. Oh, how is that a thing? It is, it is a thing. Uh, right, next one. Cuckolding. Oh, cuckolding. Um, sure, I've seen this on some pornographic websites. Um, is that where the woman has sex with the man? Well, that's what happens in most sex. The woman has sex with no, the man. Uh, but, like, the the woman has, like, penetrates a man with some no, sort of sex. No, no, that's that's not that. Um, oh, is that pegging? Yeah, that's pegging. <laughs> you really are letting so much go. Um, Cuckolding <laughs> is watching someone else have sex, sexual intercourse or sexual encounters with your significant other and not joining in. Oh, right. Okay. My neighbour banged my man. Yeah, and I watched and filmed it and right, shared okay, it okay. and shared it online. It's that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> Plismophilia. Plismophilia. Cliss no, with a k. Plismophilia. Plismophilia. I hope everyone's playing along at home as well. Plismophilia. Plismophilia. Um, a sexual obsession with people called Clarissa. <laughs> Uh, no, this is arousal by enemas. What the fuck's an enema? Uh, where they put a tube up your bum and flush you out. Oh! Yeah. Well, yeah, you get aroused by that? Yeah, apparently so. Uh, you got two more. Uh, spectrophilia. Spectrophilia. Um, the obsession with James Bond movie titles. <laughs> no, this is the sexual arousal or sexual encounters with ghosts. Oh, okay. Um, there, there are people who claim to have had full-on sex and full relationships with ghosts. When I delved into this, um, there's someone no who's at, fucking weird. There, there is someone who is <laughs> someone. There is someone in this the United States who is legally married to a ghost. How can you be legally married to a ghost? I guess how? the ghost. The how ghost can went, you legally? The no, ghost went. I no, do. no, 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 no. How? How can you legally be married to a ghost? Of all the shit that goes on in the legal system, how can you legally be married to a ghost? Well, this person is. Um, no, yeah. she's not. She's fucking not. This is not real. How is that even a thing? Your last one. You ready? Europhilia. Um, sexual attraction to Europeans. <laughs> no. Uh, this is golden showers. Oh. <laughs> Uh, I'm not a fan, to be honest with you. Is this something you've diverged into? No, it's never appealed to me. It's just, I, I can understand why some people like it. Great, yeah, it's warm, it's wet. We all like a nice cup of tea, but no, it, it doesn't appeal to me at all. Um, you I can want, understand it. Yeah, I, I can understand it. I'm a bit more can kinky. Like, look at me, I'm a bit more kinky than you, it's quite clear. Um, again, my browser history is wild this week. And I regularly get asked questions about my browser history. I think at some point this week, I will get a call from our HR. I will update you in the coming weeks as to how that conversation goes, because it will happen. <laughs> um, just so you know, the lady who runs our HR is 88 years old. I feel sorry for that woman if she has to deal with the quiz questions that I've just had. Uh, some of the, like before she's looked like we've done movies before and she's like, um, can you explain to me why you've been looking at dead bodies? Uh, yeah, I was investigating a true crime case for the podcast. Oh, okay, <laughs> okay. Um, can you explain why you've Googled many porno movies? Uh, yeah, we were doing... 
Yeah, it doesn't fly, mate. It doesn't fly. No, it really doesn't. <laughs> uh, thankfully, I have an understanding boss. Um, I'm going to round this one up first. I'm taking it first this week. Um, this movie is an experience like no other. Uh, it came out in the 70s and it become slowly loved. And that is a testament to the cast, the writing, the production, the songs. Like Everything in this is easily lovable. And it kind of grabs you in a way that no other movie I've seen before grabs you like this. I Look at how many movies we've done on the show. Have I ever dressed up before? Not once. And th- this movie's made me and Mark full costume. Um, there's honestly nothing I could hold against this to give you a comparison. This isn't like I've watched Scream and I go, I'll go watch this because it's like that. There is no other movie like this. It brings to the surface so much sexual orientations and the way that people perceive things and it takes it and it rams it in your face but it does it in such a fun happy way almost with a smile on its face that you kind of just take it all in at no point do you go oh no I don't like that it's it's really it's really unique um I had loads of fun and loads of laughs watching this I am in absolute awe of Tim Curry his ability to capture an audience and capture what you're watching and hold your attention is incredible. Um, I would probably argue this is his best on-screen performance for doing that, for actually drawing you in and making you really want to know more about the character. Um, Have you not seen Humble and Two? Yeah, I, I have, but this, I think, <laughs> I think he's better at this. Oh, I don't know. I'm really glad this made the show because there are so few episodes on this and so many podcasters that will duck this movie because of the topics it covers and how hard it is to bring this to a discussion because it's all songs and it's all subjects that people don't feel comfortable talking about. And I hope we've been respectful enough throughout and we've given this movie what it deserves, which is fucking high praise. It's it's a 10 out of 10 for me, purely because there's nothing else like it. And I I thoroughly enjoy it. It makes me laugh. It makes me smile. It, it, it's a great movie. I love it. Mark? Um, yeah. Uh, wow. How do you round up the Rocky Horror Show in a sentence? It's tough, isn't it? Jesus. Um, the work that is put into this movie is exceptional. The score, the soundtrack, the music alone is just amazing. I listen to the Rocky Horror Picture Show soundtrack regularly, all the time. I just I just tell my Alexa to play Rocky Horror Picture Show, and, and I could just listen to it throughout the house while I'm just bouncing around doing my daily chores and all the rest of it. It's such a fantastic musical piece. And the story that goes with it as well is so inclusive and way beyond its time. Yeah. Way beyond anything that it deserves to be. And the performances and the cast inclusion throughout is fantastic. With One of the best performances Tim Curry has ever given in his life and forever will be. And he will always, always be recognised and known as Frankenfurt, whether he likes to own to that role or not by today's standards. I, I have no idea, but 
this is one of his greatest performances put to screen, yeah. without a doubt. The story itself is very, very confusing. Um, if you showed this to somebody, they would probably have a hard time digesting it, I yeah. think. And I've seen this film numerous times throughout my life, and I kind of grew up watching it from a younger age. And I think this is very important to a lot of people who are probably around the age of 15, 16, 17, who are discovering themselves, because this is a story of discovery. This is a story of acceptance and finding yourself and realizing who you need to be in the world. And that's something that this film showcases very, very well, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it does. I think if you watch this later on in life, in your 30s, in your 40s, you may find confusion in what it's trying to display. This but was Lisa's wa- first watch. Lisa. How did she find it? Um, when it finished, she went, I enjoyed it, but what the fuck did I watch? She was she was genuinely like, I, I get it, I understand it, but I, I don't know. I, I found it fun, but I don't think I'll watch it again. Yeah. I think it I think it showcases a journey of self discovery. And I think if you are a person who has a level of confusion in your life, this is a film that will probably help you to some degree. I don't think this is a film that would basically put you on the path to who you are, but I think that it would, if you have some certain level of confusion in your life of who you are, what you want to be with yourself going forward, this is a film that will showcase elements of availability, if that makes sense. Yeah. And what you can and can't be. And uh, not that anybody can and can't be anything. You can be wherever you want to be in this world and you should be proud of who you are regardless. But I just think like this, especially in the 70s. Oh, in the 70s, this was mile, like decades ahead of its time. I think this is so pivotal and so important to people who needed something like this in the 70s to be able to say, say yeah. that's, And I think that's why it developed such a cult phenomenon that it did. Yeah. Because people felt a level of acceptance by you having this film, and I, and I'm like I've I've listened to many tales of people who are homosexual or any of orientation who have said that they felt acceptance from going to watch this film, or they've met their partner from by going to watch this film at a midnight screening and been yeah. like, oh, I went to see Rocky Horror Show because. I loved the film and it because it resonated with me. And that's when I met my partner because they were also into it and they didn't yeah. have an outlet. And it's an outlet for people who needed that sort of place to go and feel safe within their sexual orientation. And and I think that's why it's such an important piece of history, not just cinema, but history. Yeah. Um, and I can't knock it for that. I think if I was to dissect it as a film and criticize it from that standpoint, I can't knock it. I fucking love it. It's so entertaining. It's so fun. The performances are fantastic. The musical pieces are outstanding. The direction isn't great. It's a bit wonky in places. And it's transitioned from stage to screen. And you can see that when you watch this film. It feels very much like a stage performance. Oh, 100%. Um it's really hard because I want to give it a five out of five based on how much I loved it. But at the same time, I know it's not a perfect movie. Um, I'm going to give it a four out of five, um, but just know that I loved it and I understand its importance. 
but there's yeah. elements of it that if I was to make it again myself, I feel like I could make it better. And yeah. I'm not saying I'm the perfect person to make films. I'm, I have no qualifications or no experience in movie making. I'm just a critic. I watch films, I review them, and I take my own takeaway from them. But I just feel like as great as a movie, this is an important piece of history that this film is and what it stands for. And I have nothing but praise for it from that standpoint. I just feel like as the individual piece of cinema that it is, I think I could do it slightly better. (laughs) And I've watched the remake as well. I just want to say I've watched the remake recently before this episode and it is fucking god awful. Yeah, I watched the remake too. And if I was scoring that, that's a three or four. It's fucking dreadful. Fucking dreadful. Dreadful. So I've seen it originally and i know it's great and i've seen the remake what somebody has tried to do recently and it's fucking dreadful i know i could do both of those better justice i could um, definitely i could definitely do but i could do- we've done better than the fucking remake tonight <laughs> i don't fucking know about that man. i'll be honest with you <laughs> um, thank you all for tuning in this week we're back next week where we go to a fast food restaurant uh, meet a cuddly bunch for five nights at freddy's um, this was my tip for movie of the year this year. Um, we also get to join. We're joined by Tasha from the Sinister Scoop website. Um, I also want to thank the people who've been playing along with our new game. And anyone who doesn't understand what I've said, you just need to listen a little bit longer and a little bit harder to the episodes. And maybe you can play too. Um, but until next time, keep your eyes on the monitor. We'll see you all next week. Cheers, guys. See you next week. And, oh, before I forget... I'll kill you if this is a joke. You want to die tonight? The You Run Podcast. The You Run Podcast. The You Run Podcast. The You Run Podcast. Why isn't it possible? I can't say nothing. A candy man would get me. You choose the movies. I had a heart on this morning when I woke up, Tina. Had your name written all over it. You score them. Nice fucking model! You review them. For that, you get the head, the tail, the whole damn thing. Why not, you stupid bastard? My name is very fucking confused. What's your name? Captain Howdy. You don't want to go fooling around other folks' property. My goddamn soul. There's a beer. Because after all, this is not our show. This is your show. So after my big clue in Roundup, I'm guessing there's more people here. Hi, thanks for playing. Thanks for joining us. Um, to everyone who's been here since the beginning, um, I'm sorry. I, I kind of spo- I kind of broke my own rules and gave a teaser. Um, this is the bit of the show where you need to play along and join in and do a challenge to get a guest spot on the show. You've so, got real big with it and real eccentric. Just go back to the whispering stage where you can... Uh, okay. I, I, I'm in Rocky Horror mode. Um, I know, yeah, yeah. Just do it so, quick. Okay, okay, okay. Um, so this week, we're going to do a behind-the-scenes <laughs> post, as we always do. And all I want you to do is comment on it, time warp. Nothing else, just time warp. Um, don't forget you're playing for a spot on the show. And, yeah, if you're new here, this is this is a competition. You'll see these weird comments popping up and no explanation. And now you can play too. Um, again, a huge thank you to everyone who listens each week. And yeah, from me and Mark. Yeah.
Just to jump to the left. And then you step to the right. <laughs> See you later. Cheers, guys.